2: Visit the Bedfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to long shots off-track betting. Go to betfredsports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
3: 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike? Not just bikes. We also make treadmills and rowers. Oh, let me guess, for elite athletes only,
1: Hi, everybody. Welcome to Who Cares About the Rock Hall, a podcast about the rock and roll hall of fame. I'm your host, Joe Quazala. I sadly to some know too much about the rock and roll hall of fame with me as always is my co-host she sadly to her knows too much about the rock and roll hall of fame at this point it's kristen stuttered hi kristen
4: hello yes the burden of knowledge is now mine
1: (laughs) sounding crisp on the akg i must say
4: truly thank you to akg for this microphone
1: and uh, i'm excited to welcome our guest She is a professor and author of the new book, Black Diamond Queens. Let's welcome to the show, Maureen Mann. Hi, Maureen. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? Good. Thank you so much for joining us. Usually, first things first to kind of kick us off, and I kind of know the answer to this question because I've read your book, but... What is your level of familiarity with this bizarre institution we call the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame?
0: My level of familiarity, and let me also say hello to Kristen. Hello. uh, (laughs) Thank you both for welcoming me. My level of familiarity is I have gone to the museum many times. Uh, So there's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and museum and archives. And And I've gone
4: you're already there knowing the difference and differentiating between the hall, the museum and the archives and the the foundation. Okay. We've got ourselves an expert up in here.
0: (laughs) Do I need to say anything else?
4: (laughs) (laughs) So you've gone to the museum several times. You're aware of the existence of all the different levels. You're an expert. I'm
0: aware of the existence of the different levels. And I've even presented a couple of lectures at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I did a conversation with the wonderful background vocalist, Gloria Jones at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So I've done that. I've gone to one induction ceremony. Which one was that? That was the one uh, just a couple of years ago. It was here in Brooklyn at the Barclays Center. It was uh, Stevie Nicks, Janet Jackson, Roxy Music.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, we were also at that one.
0: We shared that moment without knowing (laughs) that we were sharing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so let's let's talk about your book, and we can talk about it in kind of conversation with the Hall. It's, it puts the focus on African American women in the history of rock and roll, and you you hit on a number of artists who are both in the Hall and surprisingly not in the Hall, from Laverne Baker to Big Mama Thornton. To do one that's in and one that isn't, right? And you know, you talk about. The Shirelles, and there, there's a bit of a, a segment on their delayed induction, given their importance in the 60s to pop and rock. And yet, when they could have been inducted, we see this a lot, could have been inducted the first year. I mean, we, we saw it with Sister Rosetta and Nina Simone all the way in 2018. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Shirelles ended up being inducted in 1996.
0: I guess the, the the question with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame um, is, what are they really up to uh, with these inductions? Uh-huh. Uh, you know, on the one hand, if they want to you know curate and preserve the history of rock and roll for posterity, then any hesitation over inducting a group like the Shirelles doesn't make any sense. But that's what they present themselves as doing. So it, it does raise a question about what the what the real mission is. You know, eventually getting around to the Shirelles, I guess, is okay. But I think it speaks to a kind of limited vision of what rock and roll is and who matters in that story. And, and those were questions that really were driving me as I was writing my book. And so I, I had to deal with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because they are really, I think, I think the only institution that's sort of trying to curate this history, at least in the way that they talk about it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, I guess, our duty as, as fans of the music to, to question what they're doing, if, if we see that there's some some oversights that are, that are significant. And for me, uh, uh, the fact that Big Mama Thornton is not in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is an enormous Oversight, and I, I, I don't actually, I, I'm not able to understand the rationale for the, for not having her in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, it doesn't really add up, especially when the link to you know luminaries like Elvis and janice Joplin are so clear.
0: You ain't nothing but
4: a hound.
1: It, you know it, that's not a secret. That's it's pretty plain as day. Hey.
4: And you're going to go ahead and put Elvis in, in the first class and then not, okay. You know how I feel. I, (laughs) (laughs) I, You know, the question of like, what are they up to? I think the whitewashing of rock and roll music has been really fundamental to the rock hall for many decades and we've seen cracks here and there and stuff, but I do think that It was founded in some way on a and, you know, almost every institution in our country Mm -hmm. has been founded in some way on white supremacy. And, you know, the rock call is no different, unsurprisingly. I don't know. I'm, I'm always arguing for like 50 person reparations induction. We just like make it happen. We just back channel. We even out the ratio, like we just do what needs to be done and we do it all at once in a big swoop and we just try to make a big structural change for this organization. But, you know, we're seeing, I think the like little, and this year I think we saw a bigger change, but like, yeah, what are they up to? I don't know, maintaining the status quo of people, you know, believing that Elvis is hound dog.
1: Right, and and what you know, one thing that, uh, I don't think I really had clocked, before until I, w- I was reading your book Maureen specifically about Hound Dog that I just thought was funny which which is that the Elvis version is almost literally about a dog and like catching there's there's almost no metaphor there because the when Big Mama sings it you know it, it obviously ha- it's symbolic
0: yeah it would have been a really interesting song if he'd been singing about the same dog as Big Mama but mm-hmm. I, it certainly wouldn't have been as popular because um, I don't think the country would have been ready for that, that story in, in 1956. But you know, it doesn't matter that the song doesn't make sense. It, it has a great sound. And when he performed it live, he put on a really good show. And you know, so it worked and he was able to put the song over. And that's great. And I, I certainly wouldn't argue about Elvis Presley being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And it's, mm-hmm. it's just remembering that there's a, there's a broader story and a broader range of people who've been involved with the music from even before it started and then once it got started.
1: Right. And you know they have a category pretty much tailor-made for someone like Big Mama Thornton early influence I think they should do it every year. They used to do it every year. Now it feels like it's maybe once every three years if we're lucky.
0: Oh, I didn't realize that. They don't do that one every year.
1: They don't. They haven't inducted anyone as an early influence since uh, Sister Rosetta. It it, it feels like a no-brainer. It's like an easy way to both, you know, I, if, if the rock hall, if their mission is to educate people, that is an easy way to do that. It feels like it doesn't detract from anything. It doesn't hurt anything. And yet they, they pull it out so rarely, even though there's no scarcity of artists who could be uh, acknowledged in that category.
4: And it's not like they're just, there's, no, there's room in the building. There is no building. It is an idea. So just, you know, do yeah. it.
0: A- adding Big Mama Thornton's name To the list of people who have shaped the music doesn't take anything away from the other people whose names are already on that list it's just adding a name that is significant and that and that should be there and the irony is if you go to the museum you will see big mama thornton there and they talk about the song so it's not like oh we don't know who big mama thornton is it's in their museum but she hasn't been able to cross over into the hall which is that more (laughs) metaphorical uh
1: huh. Yeah, and I, I I get the sense and we've talked about the divide between the museum and the foundation. I get the sense if the museum was in charge of the inductions, that would have been taken care of a long time ago.
0: One thing we we do have to take into account when we talk about who gets inducted is the question of money, and um, the the Rock and Roll Hall Hall of Fame induction ceremony is a fundraising event for. The foundation and so they want to attract an audience they have in mind who their audience is and so some of what happens with who's selected to be inducted has to do with meeting the desires of the audience Mm -hmm. uh the projected or presumed audience and that audience is not presumed to be interested in someone like big mama thornton or even a lot of african-american acts from the 1950s there's a there's a real weight towards late 1960s, early 1970s, what some people think about of, uh, as uh, classic rock, mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. that carries a lot of weight. And so that helps, I think, helps us understand what they're up to, that, it, that, that oh, this yeah. is not separated from economics mm-hmm. and, and audience desires and audience complaints, because I think the other thing they, they contend with is this, the whole, well, that's not rock and roll argument. And so if they're not wanting to stand up to that, or if the person who's making that claim is, you know, someone with deeper pockets, I think they may be persuaded. So they have a number of things that they're having to deal with. The museum is different. They because they're the education arm and they can have multiple exhibits and they have lots of space. So there's a lot of you been into the
4: yeah. mm-hmm
0: to the special, the special place uh, in Cleveland. Uh, you know, so there's a lot of space. There's like the Jimi Hendrix wing and the Beatles wing. You know, so they, they have all of the iconic rock and, rock and roll people there, but there, there's definitely space to, to include others and, and um, to just to broaden the story because it's an unruly music. And so it, you know, it, it should be messy and, and, and it should be contentious too.
1: Yeah. And, you know, let's not forget about the HBO influence as well, you know, <laughs> which I think really influence. I mean, they will say it doesn't, but I get the sense that that is also a moneymaker for them. That is the bread and butter. So if they are not making an kind of an HBO ready induction special, then that is not good for business
4: Uh, but i guess i'm thinking about this idea in particular of like early influenced black artists as something that is one of the fewer crossovers for the classic rock purists dad rock white men middle-aged men demographic to me i think that they would enjoy seeing the elevation of the like the history i think of how like when sister rosetta tharp was inducted i didn't know about her at all. I learned about her through I also didn't know anything about the rock hall at this point. This was like the beginning of my reluctant education, but they did such a great job. I thought the package that they did about her was really cool and informative and it really excited me. And then I thought that the tribute performance was also really cool. And I'm like you could do one of those every year and I think people would dig it. I I do think that one of the crossovers between people who are Asking for my more diversity, and then people who are more what would be considered purists or like raucous rock purists. I do think that one of the few crossover points that we have is like early African American artists, and I think that's somewhere that they could really just like dig into and make everybody happy.
1: Mm, careful. So sorry. <laughs> Not everybody. But...
0: Some people will still be cranky, but I, I, I think that is probably. That would probably be a less problematic space than more contem- some more contemporary artists, uh, or artists who represent genres that are are questioned. You know, when rap artists get um, included in the list of possible inductees, there's always some segment of people paying attention to to this stuff, saying, "But rap's not rock." I think it's also the Rock Hall needing to define what it is like what what is and and they don't really want to do this because it's hard to do but what do you mean when you say rock and roll can you give us a definition of rock and roll that allows us to understand that rap is part of this of this history and if you don't do that then you do get people saying it's not the same thing and i just want another you know band with four guys and and only guitars and a drum and a bass
1: well, speaking of the wide array of artists who can be nominated, why don't we play Maureen is a Rock Hall voter. Let's sure. say that you have a ballot. Uh, voters get to choose five artists. Mm-hmm. Who would you pick if you had a ballot?
0: Well, you know, I, I maybe I'll do this the way I imagine the the voters do, which is just purely based on what they like, as opposed to anything else. So, well, you know, I have, there's a very special place in my heart for the Go-Go's and I have fond memories of seeing the Go-Go's. Oh, they were opening for the police way back on that Our Lips Are Sealed tour. So I would love to see the Go-Go's and the New York Dolls too. Good grief. Now, Here's I have a question for you about Carol King because yes. she this is inducting Carol King as a performer. She's already inducted as a songwriter.
1: That's correct. correct. She uh, was inducted with Jerry Goffin in 1990 in the non-performer category as a songwriter. But she has not been inducted as a performer, and so technically she's not in as a performer. Some people consider this to be a technicality. Some people consider this to be a long time snub.
0: Yeah, and and you know this is interesting because Tapestry is is one of the best selling albums ever, yep. like ever ever, and um, how can you know? So let's let's vote for Carol King too. And um, I said the New York Dolls and, you know, of course I, I have a vote uh, for Tina Turner.
1: <laughs> so you got love one the, more.
0: I love the idea of Devo. And I feel like another part of the, the music, the people who are in charge of things over there, they're, they're not, they're, they're, they're a little bit funny about uh, New Wave. And so um, I might throw a vote to, to Devo also. I think the, the kind of parallels between the rock hall and Rolling Stone magazine and and what Rolling Stone wanted to cover back in the day are are kind of pronounced. So I think those would be my picks. And that's purely just what I like. I have to say, I love that Fela Kuti is is on here and looking at the fan vote, the last time I looked, because I've been, although I don't really think the fan vote does anything, I periodically remember to sign on and I vote for Tina Turner and the 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 leading uh person since i've been doing this has been fela kuti mm-hmm. which i really? find fascinating yeah because
4: i literally had no idea we haven't checked in with the fan vote this year yet i am so utterly shocked by that and i love it because we've been predicting fela to be quite you know rounding out the bottom as far as notoriety and chances of induction and yet what he is like number 1 he's not beating tina by a lot but like the third place person it, the third place band jump. is foo fighters and it is a huge jump
1: you know he he has a whole continent behind him you oh, know yeah. <laughs> true so and, and there were there were some i think accounts on twitter african accounts that had millions of followers that were like guys get on this vote for fela and then that he, is jumped, fantastic. he jumped immediately to the top by like quite a bit but Tina has been on his heels and has steadily. She's like, I always think on were,
4: her heels, you know what I mean? She's always
1: <laughs> on her heels. Very, very, <laughs> yes,
4: very good.
1: Yeah, I think there were those a, a, a few days of Fela where he got a ton and then it has gone down in terms of how many votes he's getting since then but he has stayed in the lead but i think tina is about to eclipse him soon
4: it's great Uh, the Fela hive activated they came in they said let's get these votes going a whole continent i think it's really good i also think because we have such an exciting ballot this year gives him more notoriety we're gonna see more people looking into his music and even if he doesn't get inducted being the top fan vote getter it's like a story you know and people yeah. are, love a story the rock hall news cycle enjoys talking about the fan vote i'm looking at the fan vote right now and this is okay yeah i would not shock that tina's up top she's like you know an icon foo fighters iron maiden and then the go-go's
1: it's quite a drop from mm-hmm. you know Fela and tina are around uh 250k and then we mm-hmm. go down to about 180k and then it's a little bit closer Foo Fighters, Iron Maiden, the Go Go's, then Carol King. Then we've got kind of another drop, and then dead last is Jay Z.
4: Wow. Okay, which is surprising. The Jay Hive has not activated. That is wild. I mean, Kate Bush is getting more votes in the fan vote than Jay Z. <laughs> I was just guessed, very interesting. Like, I mean...
1: I was expecting Iron Maiden to be in the top just because I know their fan base is worldwide and very passionate.
4: Mm-hmm. The Eddie Hive. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> right. <laughs> So you, uh, Maureen, you picked a few more traditional rock bands like the New York Dolls and Devo. Mm-hmm. Uh, you talk about it in your book a little bit, but your kind of background—you know—you were—I don't know if this is a term—a rockhead growing up.
0: Yeah, I sure never would have used that term, but uh,
1: <laughs> but oh yeah, I was—I would say I was a rock fan.
0: And then you know when it, if you tell someone that, then they would say, "Oh, do you like?" and they would always name a band that I hated. So it was—it's—it's was, <laughs> it's, because it's such a broad category. But the music that I listened to, I, I was um, in high school in the early 1980s. So the music I was listening to, like some of the classic rock bands, I, I really love the band Queen. And it was also, this was also the point when, when Prince was starting to come onto the scene. So I was very excited about Prince. Not so much his first, the first couple of records, but then when he started to get strange, I like that, like Dirty Mind mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. Controversy in 1999. And then, you know, another earlier person was David Bowie who I'm just a, a huge David Bowie fan and then the groups that were sort of like the new wave you know some punk stuff but also more new wave bands so a lot of British pop I still listen to that stuff that's my that's my mom rock sure
1: that's that's good mom rock uh, especially is... comparatively to what we, what we think of <laughs> mom rock but let, let's get into this you as a young person were not necessarily a fan of Tina Turner
0: no I mean everyone knew who Tina Turner was and so you know there was proud Mary and then she kind of you didn't see I can Tina Turner so much after that and then when she did the comeback in the early 80s or in in 1984 I'd see her all the time on this TV show called Friday Night Videos which is where if you didn't have MTV you could still watch some little get your little dose of videos and that was on all the time and I like that video but there was something about it that seemed a little bit too mainstream for my snotty, rock-centric tastes. So it, I think I always liked her. After I got over being a little bit afraid of her when I was really little, because of that... Because um, of the, It was a the performance energy. Oh. oh, no, no, no. I was <laughs> That I was why old. I was scared of her. <laughs>
1: yeah. Everyone has it. You can tell your era by how you were scared of Tina Turner. Of <laughs> Tina Turner. Yeah.
0: No, it was, um, it was with Ike and Tina Turner. And she had a very different performance energy than other people who were on TV in the early 1970s. And when I first was seeing her, it was something I hadn't experienced before. And it was, you know, it was bracing. But I w- it was like, ooh, it, it was because it seemed like she was screaming. And then, you know, as I got older and I, you know, had heard more music and, and understood more, I could appreciate what she was doing. And uh, But it was really when I started writing about her and really listening to more of her music that I grew to appreciate her magnificence. I mean, as a performer, I think it's easy to see. She's just, you know, she she gets on stage and you don't want to take your eyes off of her. And I think that's a lot of what people talk about with her. When I was writing about her, I started writing about her performance style. And then I realized, no, I should just talk about her voice because her voice is what is... Mm -hmm. If you don't have the chance to see her, but you still get records, it's, her voice is so extraordinary, what she does with it. And, you know, it's very consistent over the years. Uh, so she, she sings all different kinds of things, but you can always recognize, oh, that's Tina Turner. It's so a very distinctive sound, like a very cool sound and also a very hot sound.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So I, I really did grow to appreciate her. But no, I didn't start out as a fan. She was someone I was aware of thought had you know like positive feelings towards her but was was not a fan now i would say i'm more fanish about her
1: yeah and you know obviously she she has her own chapter in your book she's on the cover of black diamond queens obviously if you're going to talk about african american women in rock and roll tina like is is she's the example
4: well i'm looking i just was like hmm, let me just open a little thing and just put in Tina Turner, you know, into my little Google search and literally the like first sentence of her Wikipedia page is like known as the quote, queen of rock and roll, Mm -hmm. queen of rock and roll. How is she not at the rock and roll?
1: Yeah, well, she is. Right. Oh,
4: yes. Oh, I know. This year is the year of of just, you know, really taking it back from women having to be connected to their bad exes. Uh, right. Her and Carol King, it's just like justice for them both of them. <laughs> right, and right. may they both get in. Uh, they will they will they have to i i will i don't want to live in a world where they don't um <laughs> and so i will not think about it but yeah it's just preposterous that someone who is known as the queen of rock and roll on her own she's not known as half of the duo of rock and roll like you know ike turner is not known as the king of rock and roll sorry if she's known as the queen of rock and roll She's her own monarchy.
1: Yeah, and I, I think part of the issue with this is that obviously, you know, we've seen artists inducted both as a solo artist and as part of a band. That has happened many times. I think what ha- what the hang-up is for people, one is that her full name is in the band. That triggers something within people where it's not like Stevie Nicks and Fleetwood Mac. It would be like, you know, Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks or even just Mm -hmm. but even more so than that, Ike and Tina Turner to some people, if you're just watching it, looks like a Tina Turner solo performance because Ike is not singing. Ike is in the back. And even though he is the band leader and he is the first name of Ike and Tina, if you don't know what you're watching, you think I'm watching this incredibly magnetic solo performer who's singing her ass off and there's a there's a band behind her. But you don't necessarily associate it. And obviously with Ike and Tina and what was the Ike and Tina Turner review, which, you know, usually referred not on the records, but as the kind of a touring entity. Ike was writing songs and producing. He was to some, and Tina will say this too, like the brains, but he had the vision of what he wanted that to be. But I think that's where the problem is for people is because they feel like I can Tina Turner is essentially Tina Turner. But it, it discounts an entire era and a very successful era of Tina's career.
0: I didn't realize that that was, that was an issue, that that was something that was a, like a stumbling block. That This is something people are talking about that, well, how, how does she really be in again?
1: That's, I get the sense, or at least that's why I think it has taken so long for her to be considered. Uh, You know, if they were being serious about considering her as a solo performer, they had many opportunities before now to do that.
4: And They had to get Stevie in first, you know, they (laughs) really needed her to have two inductions first. Just that's edge of 17 is really enough um, <laughs> and not to even no say that like one is versus the other, because it doesn't mean any, like, I'm not, I am glad Stevie Nicks is in twice. I think it's good. I think it's fine. But I think it is preposterous that Tina Turner was not in solo already. And that we just are only now, even this is mm-hmm. the first time she's nominated solo. I'm mm-hmm. like, why how it's one of the oldest you know bones <laughs> i've had to pick since we started the show it's like pat benatar and tina turner are the two like really uh and now that whitney's in i'm like okay gotta keep them coming they failed me on pat last year they yeah. will not fail me again
0: well <laughs> hear that Rock Hall. call <laughs> well i think because they've uh, inducted Stevie Nicks as a, a solo artist, it, it will be much harder for them to explain not inducting Tina Turner now that she's on the ballot because her significance and also, you know, a kind of longevity, which is kind of, it's amazing when you think about someone in their 40s arriving the way she did onto the charts and and kind of taking over, you know, and then she becomes she becomes a stadium rock star, mm-hmm. and she's pushing fifty, and that that's no one else has done that. I, mm-hmm. I I don't think you know it's always dangerous to say no one else has ever because then there's always an example. But really, mm-hmm. it's it's an extraordinary thing that she was able to do, to you know produce that album um, Private Dancer and to do those tours and then the tour you know the tours that came after. So even when the records were only selling, you know, in the gold level instead of the platinum level. She was still doing massive damage as a, as a touring artist. Mm-hmm. And um, that's significant because, it, you know, it speaks to her reach, you know, to her popularity and just her, you know, extraordinariness as, a, as an artist. So I, I think it's, it's at a point now where they would have to explain why they're not inducting her as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, I, I mean, we're, we're going to make a case, but, you know. Right. Yeah. And, we, you know,
1: we should. W- one of the uh, frustrating things is they never say why or why not an artist gets inducted. We we are left alone with you saw me just theorize right now why I thought maybe it hasn't <laughs> happened. Now. And it took me two minutes to ramble out uh, an explanation. <laughs> But uh,
4: it was convincing. Well, thank
1: you. <laughs> I mean,
4: I am not convinced.
1: <laughs> one of, I mean, so because it's so difficult to try and parse out how and why, or if somebody will be inducted, what I have done is I've created my own list of criteria to kind of reverse engineer what I think the hall takes into consideration for induction. So we're going to take a little bit of a break and when we come back. We're going to see how Tina Turner stacks up in the categories. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We hope you had a nice break. We hope over your break, Kristen, you.
4: <laughs> oh, that you, that you reminisced about uh, a relative that you've lost. Great. In a All way right. that made so, you happy and not sad.
1: We, we, yeah, we hope you're reflecting in a positive light. Truly. All right. Let's talk about Tina Turner as a solo artist. Now, technically, Tina Turner solo became eligible for the Roll Hall of Fame in 1990 because her first credit as a solo artist is on a single called Too Many Ties That Bind from 1964.
0: Oh,
3: yes, That's too many. It's too many
1: that she was still making music with Ike, and this was produced by Ike. For some reason, they decided to try something where she was solo. Uh, So, and we know that's technically what counts. So she could have been inducted as a solo artist in 1990, but she was inducted, as we said, with Ike, as Ike and Tina Turner in 1991. She did not attend that ceremony. Neither did Ike. Phil Spector inducted them and then accepted the award on their behalf.
4: Just a mountain of problematic right there. I mean,
1: damn. Yeah. And if you you, uh,
0: ever watch... Phil Spector's induction speech, he also takes a moment to do his Ike Turner impersonation. So it's actually worse than
1: you it can is. imagine. Yeah, I... he does. His deeply Wait. problematic Ike Turner impression, which he says, he tries to go, it's fine, Ike knows I do it. Nah, no Phil.
4: No, no. And he, and
1: he doesn't just do it a little bit. He, <laughs> no. he, it's like kind of the cornerstone of his speech. He leans into it absolutely leads into it.
4: Phil Spector is not a good dude and this is worse.
1: <laughs>
4: oh, I don't like that. Oh no. But
1: <laughs> Tina Turner did induct Phil Spector in 1989. So it was a, it was a little bit of a returning the favor. Tit
4: for tat. And
1: that scenario was also a little messy because Tina did not know that Ike would be showing up to that induction. And Ike also did not know that he wasn't the one inducting Phil Spector. So there was a lot going on there.
4: The Hall has been doing Tina dirty for so long it goes, it in goes so back. many ways. It
1: goes back. I
4: Okay, I'm so sorry. I do not have the knowledge of the Phil Spector, Ike and Tina connection. He produced their early stuff. What's going well, on Well, he here?
1: produced uh, most notably River Deep Mountain High. <laughs>
0: And Ike is not on that song, but when it was kind of presented to the world, it was marketed as an Ike and Tina single, but she's the only one on the track.
1: And, and, And worth noting is at the 1989 induction ceremony where Tina was inducting Phil, she did perform in the jam, which they would have at the end. So there's a lot of footage of her with 7,000 other people on stage. They do River Deep Mountain High. And then she also does Honky Tonk Women with, uh, with
4: Mick Jagger. Oh my god. Which is cool.
0: And that's a song that she covered, that Ike Turner Review covered when they were in their rock covers phase. <laughs>
1: So let's talk about Tina Turner's solo career and we'll go through the categories and we do have to make that division between Ike and Tina, which is obviously already inducted and Tina's solo career. Now, a lot of people think of Tina's solo career as her kind of revival in the 80s. But, you know, the first album that is credited to Tina is actually from the 70s, and it's uh, Tina Turns the Country On, exclamation point, from 1974.
4: It's a country music album.
1: <laughs> well, it, it to an is extent. It? I mean, it's her, her covering, you know, Dolly Parton. And... Oh, okay,
4: so like. oh, okay. So it is what it sounds like.
1: Tina Turner... Obviously, one of the great singers, but also one of the great interpreters of all time. Whether it's, you know, Proud Mary, maybe the most notable example. Her take on, you know, whether it's another genre like country or the kind of white rock artist like with Honky Tonk Woman, or she played the acid queen in Tommy, and then did a whole album called Acid Queen. queen, Let's uh, jump into these categories. The first one is iconic slash recognizable songs. I think the the first one you think of when you think of Tina Turner solo career, you think of What's Love Got To Do With It. Uh, one of the biggest songs of all time. It was everywhere when it came out. It's still kind of everywhere now. You you still hear it a lot. You could be in your car, walking around Target. That's just one of the big, big songs. And uh,
4: that is a music video as well. There is something about it, just her walking down the street in that, in her jeans and her little crop jacket, just singing at the camera. It wasn't like a high concept video, but it was just on all the time. I feel like, or it was mm-hmm. like a really heavy rotation video, and like that look was so notorious at the time too. Her hair, all just wild and big. It was such a big moment.
0: Yeah, it was. It was really popular, and um, you know, as far as the attitude in the song, it, that's a great rock attitude kind of song and it was huge too at the grammys so it was it was a success in terms of its sales in terms of heavy rotation on the radio and on video programs and then also the Grammys
1: recognized the song. yeah it, it, it's up there you know even when Rolling Stone does like greatest songs it's they throw it on there it, and it, it was representative of something too like this this comeback and that, I mean that's what the movie is called The
4: movie yeah
1: right so that that really symbolizes everything about Tina's back baby <laughs> And then if I if I had to pick another song that I think is also up there in terms of recognizability, I think I would throw, Sometimes it's called Simply the Best, but technically the title is just the best.
4: best.
1: That's a song I, I feel like you hear sometimes as a joke.
4: I feel like you're hearing it really sincere as well. It like awards ceremonies and things like that, too. When I was in high school, my drama teacher played it to our cast one time (laughs) as a thank you. Um, And it was like long after the song had been Mm -hmm. out. She was just like, I just have something to say to the cast of Guys and Dolls. And then she literally pressed play on a CD player and it was simply the best.
1: Yeah. It's so it's such a hyperbolic (laughs) song that uh, I, I, I have a memory in middle school, like they, we had an assembly because we were gonna kick off the magazine sales. Like that's yeah. what we were, gonna, that's what we were gonna do. You know, as a fundraiser, and they showed a video and it it played simply the best in it. And at the time, I remember thinking, I don't, I don't get, I don't get the connection. Are we the best for selling magazines? Okay, she's a great motivator. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, would you guys put any other? Tina solo songs up there as ones that you feel like.
4: I think the song Private Dancer is like known, recognizable. Dancer, a dancer money. Do what you want me to do I just think it's pretty, it's a pretty big one. It was
1: also the name of the album. The, yes, the big exactly.
4: album. And like I say all the time, the live tour that just was so important to my grandpa.
1: Yeah, and uh, it has serious rock cred written by Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits and most of Dire Straits are playing on the album although there was some dispute with Mark Knopfler and like the record company so he is not on it.
0: No but Jeff Beck is.
1: Jeff Beck, Rock Royalty is on it. Yeah.
0: I think Better Be Good to Me is another one. yeah.
1: Uh, Also a huge hit, and I think it's come up on this show before, uh, the Beyond Thunderdome.
4: Oh yeah, We Don't Need (laughs) Another Hero.
1: We Don't Need Another Hero. We Don't Need Another Hero.
4: We Don't Need Another Hero. Scaring the living crap out of me as like a five-year-old child. Because I remember seeing Thunderdome probably too early and being like, children are abandoned. <laughs> They're scared. This is my They're nightmare. covered in dirt. <laughs> it's very bad. This lady is out here. People are fighting in a big dome. It's very scary. <laughs> also, because I think I remember that music video as well, because it's like mm-hmm. a lot of scared, dirty children in the music video as well. Right.
1: That'll stick with you.
4: It will. If you are a child... <laughs> You're like, it could be me
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I gotta be careful <laughs> I gotta sure this be careful, happen. I don't want to
4: wind up in the Thunderdome We gotta preserve our water
1: And then the, the two other big charting hits That went to like the top 10 uh, We have Typical
0: Male <laughs>
3: And
1: then we've got In the 90s uh, I Don't Want to Fight
4: that on the What's Love Got To Do With It soundtrack?
1: Yes, when the yeah. when the movie came out and then they did an album for it. Yeah, I don't yeah, know if I, it was one of the new songs.
4: Yeah, I, I remember that.
1: She
0: had another song, just another Grammy. I was looking at her Grammys. And in 1987, Back Where You Started, uh, a Brian Adams song. Uh, that was Best Rock vocal performance female that year and that's from break every rule that album had some some moments on it
1: speaking of albums let's go to the next category classic albums we've talked about it already private dancer was her big comeback uh you know and i I mentioned the albums that came before it you know tina was you know her post ike career struggled to get going in the 70s you know, she has Tina Turns the Country on, she has Acid Queen, an album called Rough, Love Explosion, and that was in 79. And then it almost seems like she's you know, out for the count and then comes back with Private Dancer in 1984. Now, one of the connections we make with this in the next category, Critical Acclaim is referring to the Rolling Stone 500 list.
4: Which you referenced earlier as well, Rock, like Rolling Stone's really close connection with the Rock Hall and the taste-making of who's considered and who's, you know, got the goods.
1: Yeah, especially with the connection with Rolling Stone and the Rock Hall, sometimes looking at this list can give you a hint as to what the voters might think. So do you guys think that there's any Tina album on the Rolling Stone 500 best albums list?
4: I think Private Dancer is on there.
1: Maureen, what do you think?
0: That would be my guess uh, if there was one on there, but I'm I'm actually not sure.
4: I'm dubious. Maybe the 2020 update could have gotten us closer because they really have a much more inclusive and diverse list on the 2020 update. I think it could have happened, but I don't think it's going to be near the top. I think if it's in there, it might be like, you know, 412.
1: On the Rolling Stone 500 best albums list, there is an Ike and Tina, the best of Proud Mary album is on there, but there is no Tina Turner solo Mm. entry. Uh, And I'm surprised, I mean, Private Dancer, you know, it was so representative of her comeback and it was, you know, went five times platinum, was massively popular, was a real cultural force. I'm surprised it's not on there. Regardless of that, I would still say that that is a classic album any way you cut it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There were so many singles on that album. And it was also, I think, at a time when some of the producers who were creating albums that they wanted to sell would try to do... Let's have a little bit of something hard. Let's have something a little soft. Let's be more soulful. So there, there's a mix on the album as well, but it, all of the songs are really good. So it's, it's just a really strong and, and varied album.
1: And, you know, people don't talk as much about the albums that came later, but they were still massively successful. Break Every Rule, which is the one that had Back Where You Started and Typical Male. And then, you know, she had a few best ofs that were, very popular, but then after Break Every Rule, Foreign Affair, Wildest Dreams, 24-7, and that's her last studio album. And all those went at least gold or platinum. Let's talk about the next category, Critical Acclaim. It's it, trying to think of this in terms of her solo career and Ike and Tina, because obviously it's, it's blended a little bit when you talk about the person. But Tina has always been a, a beloved by the critics, as far as I can tell.
4: And, I mean, you just look at them Grammys as well. She's a highly awarded and lauded and noted person. And I think, too, to be a Black woman who is hailed the queen of rock and roll, I think you really can't overstate how important that is and how meaningful that, Mm -hmm. you know, assignation can be uh, for representation and showing that the queen of rock and roll is a Black woman. And has been and continues to be. That happened at a time when we weren't seeing as much representation. And so the critics like her, the people like her.
1: You know, I was expecting you know the production of private dancer, you know, it certainly has its 80s flair to it. I thought maybe the critics at the time would have something to say about that, but I was surprised that even someone like like Robert Criscou, who is, Maureen, you refer to him as the Dean of uh, Rock Critics.
0: He, he refers to himself oh, as d- the oh, does Dean he? Of Rock <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Well, I was surprised that he was like, yeah, this is, this is great. Like that it. kind of across the board, everybody was into it.
0: It was a really popular album. And it just, it, it was an example of like listening to what's going on musically and then doing something that speaks to that sound, but having, you know, the originality as well so it's you know it's definitely it's tina turner and that's what you know makes it fresh but if you play the album you can guess which decade it was (laughs) recorded in
1: right Um, yeah no secret
0: but, but Tina Turner's popularity, it goes back to the picture that I use on the cover of my book. That's a photo that Baron Wallman took. And Baron Wallman was the founding photo editor of Rolling Stone magazine. And the second issue of the magazine had that photo of Tina Turner. And they were encouraging their readers to check out the I Can Tina Turner review because Tina Turner was so phenomenal. So she's, you know, From the very beginning of Rolling Stone, she was someone that they connected with. And at that point, they weren't doing rock covers yet. They were doing more of the R&B stuff. And it was still recognized that, oh, this woman is formidable.
1: Absolutely, And like you said, the 80s-ness of the production for Private Dancer and and the albums that, that came after is apparent and might for some make you think, is she straying from rock and roll? But... I do think, and <laughs> this is—it's almost like a version of uh, a Richard Nixon quote. But if what? if Tina Turner, he, I know. Here wow. we go. I know. Like, and, and it's kind of his his quote is, "If the president does it, it's not illegal." And my wow. version of it is, "If Tina Turner is doing it, it's rock and roll."
0: I think that's a good quote. Yes. I, yeah. I didn't know how you were going <laughs> to.
4: I was like, Nixon she is not a crook. But- <laughs> Like, what is going on?
1: But I, I do feel that way. I feel like you could do anything to the production of a Tina Turner song. But if she's singing it, it's going to be rock and roll. Let's talk about the next category commercial success.
4: Ding dong. Here I we don't know. know
1: what there is to say. <laughs> so massively successful, both in the records sold and also tickets sold. And, you know, she holds the distinction of being. I guess at that time, I don't know if it's been broken, but having the biggest audience, you know, I think it was in Brazil with like 188,000, Jesus Christ. Like she, a massive, massive audience.
0: Yeah. And I would have to look at the list of the people who are on the ballot for this year, but she's, if she's not the most commercially successful, she's definitely up there. She would be in the in yeah. the top tier. Like Jay-Z would be up there.
1: Deanne Warwick, Sold a lot of singles. Foo Fighters have consistently sold a lot. Iron Maiden, uh, oh yeah,
4: Maiden as
1: well. Has, th- those are probably the ones that are
4: the top ones are up there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and Carol King, you can't, you know, the, right?
1: Tapestry alone, yeah.
4: Tapestry alone, just my mom bought three copies, so <laughs> people <laughs> would wear them out. Yeah, she would, She wore place. out her record several times, so that'll help your <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that'll help your sales. People love your record so much they're wearing it out and they have to buy another one. <laughs> Uh
1: next category is longevity. Now I mean. that, that's kind it's kind of like the one of the things that's m- most impressive about or one of the many things that's impressive about Tina is, you know, she has one of the great comeback stories in rock and roll. You know, she was in around the 60s really starting her career in the late 50s mm-hmm. and then she's back in the 80s bigger than ever. It's hard to find anybody with a longer career and to be able that deep in to be at the top too.
0: Yeah, it's it's very unusual. And I know that people have probably studied it and tried to figure out how to replicate it. Um, I don't know if, it, if anyone's managed to.
1: And, you know, not only was she able to like maintain, but she eclipsed herself, certainly in terms of popularity. That was the height of her career when she was in her 40s uh, in the 80s with the private dancer stuff.
4: I just saw like, she's 81 now. I'm like, oh, we got to gotta get her in while she's still kicking literally and figuratively 81 i didn't realize i'm like she'll just always be private dancer era tina yeah. in my mind like she's just yeah crystallized in time
0: she's had some health issues mm-hmm. recently too so they should take advantage of this moment to to do this
1: right and yet i don't know if she is still literally kicking because she seems to have a very quiet relaxed life in switzerland you know she is officially retired she has not performed since her farewell tour which at this point maybe was like over a decade ago
0: yeah she did did a little bit of a performance um connected with the the musical based on her life which i think is another indication of her popularity Mm -hmm. that there when things shut down uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, Tina the musical was playing in New York, in London, and in Hamburg, and they were going to open a show in, in Australia. So she has that level of popularity, connecting back to, to commercial success.
1: Yeah, you know, she it's, it's hard to find a time when she's not having a moment. But especially now, and there is, with an, a deep HBO connection, obviously... There is going to be a documentary called Tina that's coming out at the end of this month on HBO.
4: And I also feel like the headline I mean we'll g- I know this is tying together many of our remaining categories but like the headline I think from this year's nomination announcement was Tina Turner nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That was thing that like my friends who don't care about the rock hall had heard about, oh, Tina is nominated.
1: The next category is influence. And Maureen, in your book, you focus on Tina's voice and the influence of her sonically on basically anybody in rock.
0: Yeah, she had a broad reach, especially with English musicians, Right, as I started to think about them, Commonwealth Musicians, because it was also reaching into Canada, into Australia. But, you know, there are obvious examples like Mick Jagger, uh, when he was starting to practice with the Rolling Stones, he, one of the songs he would practice with was a, an Ike and Tina Turner song, you know, imitating her phrasing. And then also famously, once they were touring together in 1966, Tina and the Ikes taught Mick Jagger how to dance. <laughs> so the story goes. And I think she always says, you know, he didn't learn exactly what we were trying to teach him, but he (laughs) he still did pretty well. And then you you can hear it in people like Rod Stewart, Steve Marriott, who was the lead singer of a group called Humble Pie, really loved Tina Turner's voice and I think was trying to recreate Tina Turner and the i in his own band with him as Tina Turner and then some of the former Ike's working with him and they toured widely in the United States and I've been told that Humble Pie was a big influence on Kiss of all people so there's a kind of connection between Tina Turner and Kiss
1: Interesting uh, and Steve Marriott also was inducted as a member of the Small Faces
0: Oh the Small Faces yeah that was that was a few years back Mm
1: -hmm. in 2012 yeah
0: and then you know another thing to think about are the people who were performing with her on those albums on the solo albums that we were talking about jeff beck eric clapton phil collins they were all they wanted to work with her because she had been such a formative influence on them. But I think what happens a lot with the the discussion of rock and influence is that people talk, focus on instruments and instrumentalists instead of on vocalists and the voice. And so as a result, we don't always think about people like Tana Turner. We get more focused on even talking about Ike Turner as a very important influence on the development of rock and roll in the early 1950s. And then if you think of women like Melissa Etheridge, the, you know, Kim Carn those hard-driving singers. Mm-hmm. When Janis Joplin went on the Dick Cavett show in the late 60s, she was ta- she wanted to talk about this phenomenal singer named Tina Turner that at that point was not well-known in the mainstream. And she was just so excited by Tina Turner. So I think you can hear that in, in Janis Joplin's voice. Mm-hmm. And then moving forward, uh, like the group LaBelle, N- Nona Hendrix, they were thinking about themselves as kind of like Tina Turner, but doing something a little bit different. And as N- Nona Hendrix went out on her solo career, there's some, some parallels there. And then a very contemporary person would be Brittany Howard who mm-hmm. um, has claimed Tina Turner as someone who let her know that, oh, okay, I don't have to sound pretty. Mm-hmm. I can, you know, do other kinds of things with my voice. I think anytime you hear someone singing with that really forceful, that like, kind of strain, one of the sources of that, they, that they probably were listening to was Tina Turner. And it's such a rock and roll voice.
4: Yeah, the growl, the grit of it.
0: Yeah, so you know, why is she the queen of rock and roll? It's because she brought that vocal sound mm-hmm. uh, so forcefully, and and you know, just unapologetic about you know, I'm not trying to sound pretty. I want to. I just want to make these mm-hmm. sounds, and it, it, it's a it's a fantastic sound that she has.
1: Yeah, and I think the influence extends because of her long solo career, and she was able to influence more people who saw her because they were paying attention to stuff in the 80s because she was so huge in the 80s and I think the you know you can draw that influence from the Tina era but I think to leave out the significant, part of her career that was just her, especially in the eighties, when she was exposed to so many people, I think you have to include that.
0: Yeah. I mean, thinking about, there was one of those um, intergenerational moments at the Grammys where they had, or Beyonce and, and Tina Turner were paired. And it was like, it was mm-hmm. a perfect pairing mm-hmm. because you have the the sort of inheritor of, of so much of what Tina Turner was doing. in in, in terms of being this independent woman, stadium star you've got the two together and i think with other young african-american women artists maybe knowingly maybe not being aware of the of the connection i do i do think there are uh connections between them and tina turner whether you know some of the people who are maybe on that list like a mary j Bl- was mary j blige on her
4: first nomination this year
0: yeah, I think she's had a, a, a very broad reach.
4: Oh, big t- you know, looking at the picture on the cover of your book and seeing it, I was like that, I mean, just the style influence on Beyonce, you can see, I mean, that could be a photo of Beyonce. The dress, the styling, the even just the movement that she's doing, it feels so just like you can see the exact line. It is a bright line from Tina to Beyonce. And there's no bigger star right now. And so you've got to give it up.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> the next category is artistry/slash skill. And Maureen, you were touching on this. You know, we don't really give the due that is deserved to vocalists and people whose instrument is their voice. But, you know, she is one of the great singers and her her voice is so so deeply tied to rock and roll and you know if you can induct a guitarist because they're great at guitar playing you have to be able to apply that same thing to a vocalist
0: yeah absolutely you know I think we we do think of her as having that strain and the power and the volume but she can also do quiet. She can sound vulnerable. So she does have flexibility. And I think one of the things for her, separating from Ike professionally, she was so happy to be able to sing because I think she felt that when she was with the review, she was doing more screaming and and that the songs didn't really feel like songs to her. They were too loose and um, I think she really enjoyed the opportunity to explore singing and and testing the limits of her voice in that way on the, you know, Private Dancer and the, the albums, you know, Break Every Rule and the albums that came after.
1: All right. Well, we've made it to our final category, maybe the most important category. Does my mom know who they are? And... Yeah, obviously my mom knows who, are you kidding me? Of course my mom, every, everybody and everybody's mom knows who Tina Turner is.
0: I, I, I think that you know, this is one of those, turn the question around, who doesn't know who yeah. Tina Turner uh-huh. is? I mean, and, and, and this is even a question you can ask globally. She's not yeah. confined to the United States. She's, she was a global star. And actually, you know, with some of those albums, they were much more successful in Europe So they went. They were platinum when they were only going gold, or you know, double gold, or whatever it is here. So yes, people, I think, will recognize Tina Turner
1: because sometimes that's what it comes down to on the ballot. You know, a lot of these voters, they're not necessarily experts; they just maybe happen to play bass with the Love and Spoonful. So (laughs) you know, you you look at the names, and often the ones that have strong name recognition tend to do better which you know maybe that makes the system broken but sometimes in this case it it helps out someone who should be inducted all right it is time for our verdict should tina turner as a solo artist be inducted into the rock and roll hall of fame will she and will it happen this year and we'll start with Kristen.
4: she can she will she must it's going to happen. She's going to get the most votes this year. She's going to go the distance. It's going to happen. I will not continue this podcast <laughs> if she is not. <laughs> I know I said that last year about Pat Benatar, but like literally, there is no justice in this world if Tina Turner is not inducted. This fucking year, because there hasn't been justice up until then, up until now. Mm -hmm. And this is just you got one little tiny job to do. Let's go, everybody like she can. She will. She deserves it. She has deserved it. It is an outrage that we're even having to talk about it. I am glad that we're getting to talk about her. I think she's incredible, but yes, it's gonna happen this year. Before I used to think like, oh, Jay-Z is a slam dunk for this year. And like, to me, the absolute, now that I've seen the ballot, I didn't, I had given up hope. I've been banging this drum since we started the podcast and the fact that she is on the ballot, it took me by complete surprise. And I am just, this year, without a doubt, She's gonna be the top vote getter. She's the headline. Let's go, Tina. She's in.
1: Great. Maureen, what do you think? Should she, will she, and will it be this year?
0: Should she? Absolutely. Will she? Yes. And I think it will be this year. I, I really do. I have a I have a good feeling about it. I think she might be helped along by the fact of the HBO documentary that you mentioned, depending on when the voting happens. Do you know?
1: So I believe the ballots have been received as of a few days ago, and then you turned it in by early May. So that's going to give people, especially the people who don't fill it out immediately, the documentary comes out in late March.
0: Yeah, she, she definitely should be. <laughs> I feel like some of the the musicians who have been inducted should, uh, Give back their induction <laughs> if Tina Turner isn't inducted. Be- you know, because yeah. a lot of them are big Tina Turner fans, and mm-hmm. they could make a stink if they wanted to.
1: Absolutely, uh, I obviously think that she should. You know, obviously the Hall has established that there can be double inductees, and if you want a great example of someone who should be inducted twice. Tina Turner is a a shining the best. She's simply the best. (laughs) Now, I also think it will happen. I know I gave my reasons for why I thought maybe the hall was slow to put her on the ballot. I don't think the larger voting body cares or even thinks about that stuff. I know we, we had thought maybe similar things with Stevie Nicks where, you know, she was already in with Fleetwood Mac. And does she deserve it to be solo? But I think people saw her on the ballot and said, oh, of course, Steven, she's a legend. She gets in. Check that box. And from what I understand, she got the most votes that year. And I think it's going to be the same thing this year. Only more so because I think there's the added element of like she appeals to every single person. She's a living legend. And I just don't think it's going to be very difficult for people unless they're being like pedantic to not want to vote in. There is no way
4: she is going to be Uh, the 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 top vote getter. There is just no way.
1: Yeah. It's like, like I said, people being pedantic and maybe people being like, she doesn't need my vote because it's already such a foregone conclusion. So they're going to
4: give it to their devo. They're going to do their night. I just don't think that there's enough strategic voters in the hall. Mm -hmm. I think there's way more dum dums who are like, Tina check mark like yeah I, I think I, I think
1: absolutely there's dumb dums like, and then smart people who are like Tina yeah. deserves it you know well, so it's like well you no I just mean
4: dumb dumbs meaning like they vote for who they like and who they think should be in they're not trying to game the system they're right. not like Tina doesn't need my vote or, I think that's true I'm sure everyone else is voting for her so mm-hmm. I'll go a third party candidate I just don't see it happening
1: yeah and I think you know for all the reasons that we've outlined and then also you know she is so deserving on the merits of her music and her career and her influence, everything she's everything she's done. I also think it is tremendously it is symbolic and the right thing to do to put her in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame when she is not linked to her abuser.
0: Yeah. yeah I think that's,
1: is a very important thing to do on top of, all the other merits
4: there's like a multitude Mm -hmm. of reasons and also i just was thinking about the idea if you were a voter this year you have the opportunity to vote for tina turner You've been given the opportunity to vote for Tina Turner. You're not going to pass up a chance to vote for freaking Tina Turner. I just really can't wait. I'm so excited because I am not scared. Like I was worried. I've been worried in the past. Will Whitney get in? Will Janet get in? Janet, I was like, you couldn't. Because we've seen of,
1: it so many times before. I was
4: thrilled and shocked beyond belief when she got in. This year, I'm not even nervous. Not sweating Tina's it. getting in. I am not sweating it. I'm actually sweating it for, for Jay-Z this year. I'm like, he might got, he was going to be my big point getter. I drafted him in the
1: in our special episode. he's yeah. going to be
4: my big point getter. Um, and I'm like, he might, you know, we've got so many great people on the freaking ballot. For my sure. slam dunk might actually just, you know, be a buzzer shot. We'll see.
1: So, you know, let's say Tina is getting in this year. Who should give the speech? Induct her. Wow, that's a rough one. We mentioned Beyonce already, and if Jay Z is getting in, she might already be in the building, so it <laughs> might be it might be an easy get for her to to come to the ceremony. I think there are some people you know who have been friends with her for a long time, and thinking of Cher, mm-hmm. like that's someone who is not in the hall, and that might set and that her would be in a, a good nice volley position.
4: for to get Cher in too, right? Yeah.
1: And then you could get the many rock royalty uh, white guys that she Mm -hmm. has worked with like Mick Mick Jagger Jagger might want to do it
4: a pretty big one I think you'd have a lot of people who you think of as the rock hall target audience would be quite pleased and excited Mm -hmm. to see Mick Jagger give a speech about her or induct her
0: yeah as long as he doesn't do anything to her skirt
1: which he ripped off, right? Yes, uh, infamous performance.
0: An infamous performance.
1: But you know, you know, someone who would be a big marquee name, and someone who I think would understand the importance of her getting in solo. And is also someone who has inducted someone at the Rock Hall before. She inducted Quincy Jones in 2013. That's Oprah.
0: Ooh. Oh, and well, that would be defi- That would definitely meet with Tina's
1: approval because they're close. Yeah. And if the Hall wants a big name, <sighs> hard to do better than Oprah.
4: Oh, you get Oprah to Cleveland, Ohio? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> get Oprah to Cleveland, baby. I mean, for
0: Tina, she would go to Cleveland.
1: Yeah. Now.
4: I, guess. I got excited. I, I, You would literally think I, I don't listen to our podcast and I forget. I'm like, oh, yeah. And now we get to talk about who would induct her and what songs are going to play. I like get excited all over again. It's helpful. It keeps mm-hmm. me fresh. for the Yeah, show. there you go. <laughs>
1: um, so we could talk about what songs would be performed at the ceremony. But one thing to consider is would Tina, do you guys think Tina would show up to her? Induction because you know she has her nice life in Switzerland. She doesn't really seem to be interested in participating in in anything uh, at this point. What do we think?
4: I think she zooms us from her estate. I think she says that she is honored and thrilled. She's not getting on a continent an intercontinental flight mm-hmm. for us. She says thank you very much. She maybe shows us her horses or something like that. You know, we just see her living her beautiful best life in a just gorgeous chateau in Switzerland. And yeah. and then she's like, and now I've, you know, please let my friends entertain you. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: I do think the uh, the virtual ceremony of last year also may have had something to do with why she was on the ballot this year. Because I do think there was an element of she's not showing up to the ceremony. Let's not even bother inducting mm. her. She's already in and she is not going to come. But now that we, it's become... Apparently, really in the virtually. ice.
4: It's the new work from home. It's like how so many more jobs are going to be work from home. I think a lot of things where someone couldn't be there in person, I do think it's going to be less of a diss or a dig to submit a video acceptance, mm-hmm. especially yeah. if you're 81 and living on a freaking estate in Switzerland. Okay.
1: Yeah. And and we are not that hopefully we are out of the worst of the pandemic but there's no way we will be that far out you know there's it would still be somewhat of a risk
0: yeah yeah and she she wouldn't perform Mm-mm. you know even if she did come i don't think we would expect her to perform so if they end up doing it remotely are, are they talking about doing the ceremony in in late may
1: uh no they're they're hoping to do it in late october
0: oh okay
4: which bodes well for yeah the rollout. i think it could
1: i think it could happen you know it also might not but i it yeah it's looking it's optimistic (laughs) so yeah if there is a tribute performance what do we think that could look like who would be performing what songs would they sing i think what's love got to do with it is you know the obvious choice and Mm -hmm. you know probably do simply the best just because it feels uh appropriate to the proceedings it could do i
0: might have been queen and since she actually is the queen uh, of rock and roll They might consider doing Private Dancer.
1: You could get Jeff Beck. Yeah. You can get a lot of the people who played with her.
0: They would probably gather. Thinking about what she does in her concerts or what she was doing in her concerts at the point when she retired, she still would do Proud Mary and River Deep Mountain High. And so they might want to, even though they came... During the early years,
1: the, those might be good choices for the jam. jam. I yeah.
4: I also it's think you can end her tribute performance or whatever with Proud Mary, and then you get everybody out there, just even if it's not the jam, you get everybody. You just are bringing out all the current pop stars. Everyone who's ever been influenced by Tina is in the back doing the dancing. To me, I'm the per- people that are going to that you'd want to get in the performance. I do think Brittany Howard would be a really obvious and great choice. And she did the uh, sister Rosetta Tharp one, didn't she? Just Mm -hmm. seems like a really good fit. And obviously if Beyonce is there, I'm like, I'd like to see Shaka in the... (laughs) Yeah, in it's the, like a lot of people on you know, the ballot, like,
1: like Mary J, you yeah. know, who felt to Tina song.
4: I think too, if Shaka doesn't get in and it, um, it's bumming me out, it's looking not good for her. I love her. I yeah. want her in. But do, you can just keep including her enough so that she can't get ignored forever. Right. And you put her in the Tina tribute. You, you remind us of who Shaka Khan is and you let her do her thing and just blow us away. And then we're like, next year, then maybe it happens. It, yeah, I it don't happens. know. I, I would love to see her in the tribute as well. Are there any young contemporary people besides like Brittany Howard or somebody that you could think of that would appeal to the to the youth? <laughs> or like who the Rock Hall considers the youth? You never know. It's like right. they, they really don't have their finger necessarily on the pulse.
0: Maybe someone like her or... Or
1: I was thinking about her
0: you know they want to have someone who can really honor the queen properly yeah. so they, they really are going to have to be able to sing
4: oh my god if Oprah gave the speech
0: I like that idea oh
4: I'm getting so excited because she's gonna get in and so I'm like oh I don't even have to be in fantasy mode about this no, I'm you, just yeah, like this wow is, who's it reality. going to be who can they get for the queen oh very exciting
1: well Maureen when Tina gets in and if the ceremony is in person and safe at the end of October in Cleveland would you go
4: I would
0: probably I would probably try to go I I wanted to go to the ceremony that I guess was going to be last May Mm -hmm. because Mark Bolin was going to be inducted Mm -hmm. of course that didn't happen I've considered going out there I, I actually like going to Cleveland over the years of going to the rock hall i've developed friendships with people out there so it's actually a nice oh, that's great a nice trip to go and, and, and hang out there so yeah and if if they were inducting tina and if they got it together and did an early influences mm-hmm. and, and put big mama thornton oh in the same year
1: oh my goodness be, and i think like, the
4: Go Go's are looking real good this year too so i mean it's
1: it could be quite a year. It
4: really, it's all could happen. It could it <laughs> we, really all could. It feels uh-huh. like that. yeah.
1: yeah. well, you know, if it if it does and it's looking good, uh, we will be we there. Will be so there. we will see you there. We'll see. We'll see each
0: other at the Rock hall. yeah see you
1: in Cleveland. Uh, Maureen, thank you so much for joining us. The book is Black Diamond Queens and you can get that wherever you get books. Anything else you would like to promote, share? talk about
0: uh no i just want to thank you all for inviting me on and i'll i'll just say it again you know tina rocks
4: hell yeah she really does
1: absolutely uh well of course our listeners know they can follow us at Rock Hall pod on twitter and instagram uh you can also follow me this coming monday the 15th i will be releasing a bunch of videos and we were doing a fundraiser for the East Hollywood Mutual Aid. Kristen helped me out. With that, So uh, take a look at that. It'll be a fun day. Rockhallpod at gmail.com is the email. If you want to send a message to us, that'd be great. If you want Kristen to see that, you're going to need to put her name somewhere in the message. Otherwise, I'm not forwarding it to her because she doesn't want to see it. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Rate and review us five stars only. Anything less than five is rude. Thank you to Mike Lloyd for the logo. Yusu Kim for the music. Thank you to AKG for the microphone. Thank you to Pantheon Podcasts for hosting us. I'm Joe Guzala.
4: I'm Kristen Studdard.
1: And who cares
4: about the Rock Hall?
2: Maryland sports fans. There's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years experience booking bets and supporting customers. Bet Fred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off-Track Betting. Go to bedfredsports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.
3: 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later. 92% because of a bike?